0: How are you now? How are you right now? We're back, folks, and uh, I sincerely apologize that there was no episode after yesterday's game. I had uh, had something I had to be at, so unfortunately it wasn't really an option for me, and plus I figured with a back-to-back this was maybe as good a time as I'm going to get this early in the season to just do... Uh, One amalgamated episode for two different games. Uh, So hello and welcome, I guess, to two separate episodes of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and this would be episodes 20 and 21. Technically, we're going to go over two separate games. Uh, The first one being, uh, you know, yesterday against the San Jose Sharks, and then today against the Los Angeles Kings two vastly different teams in terms of their level of competition that they offer um, and two very different games as they played out on the ice as well. Uh, we're going to get to all of it. Uh, I probably won't do a full recap of the games because I feel like you know most of us probably watched them. Most of us are probably tired. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm definitely tired of uh, this California road trip already, but look, they definitely had a, a better overall result through three games in California than they've had in decades. So, I mean, it it wasn't the worst, certainly. As as California road trips go, it was one of the best we've seen in a long time. And before we get started, the holiday season is often rolling, with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. BetOnline also has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played. From MMA all the way through to international soccer, BetOnline has it everything. So head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And where this podcast is going to start is we're going to go back and we're going to talk first about uh, the game against the Sharks, which I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, like I said, I didn't record yesterday because I had somewhere that I needed to be, and I didn't really feel like like talking about that game. It, um, it rubbed me the wrong way, uh, let's put it that way, because they did win. Uh, they ended up winning the game in a shootout, 3-2 to final score, but th- it felt like it was way harder than it needed to be. Um, they did control most of the shot attempts they did uh I, I thought they had the better scoring chances for the most part of the game at least certainly the more high quality scoring chances um but it it was not as good of a game as i expected them to be able to play against a team like the sharks who have been you know historically bad so far this season so uh you know i wasn't super happy about that one uh, the way that it went but let's go through a, a quick recap of the goals at the very least so you can understand what I'm talking about if it so happens that you have yet to actually watch that game so this one started pretty rough for them um, they were shotless in the first three minutes of play and meanwhile the Sharks had three shots of their own in the first three minutes uh, but then the Habs kind of take over and they, they settle into the game a little bit uh, they're starting to get considerably more shot attempts and more shots through but a power play towards the end of the period ends up uh, actually allowing the Sharks to get a whole pile of shots and they actually end up winning the shot count for the period 11 to 9 Um, not not ideal not ideal Uh, you really don't want to see the Habs get outshot in any period against the San Jose Sharks but look they they managed to get there uh, without actually giving up any goals so that's good news at the very least. However, we go into the second period. The score is still 0-0. And the Habs are just struggling to get anything to actually go through and put it in the net. And under five minutes into the period, Mike Hoffman is just uncovered in the slot. Puck gets put out to him and he finishes it makes it 1-0. Uh, of course. Of course he was going to score another one. Uh, against his former team, the Montreal Canadiens. It was written in stone. The moment that I saw him out there and I was like, oh, Mike Hoffman, I forgot he plays for the Sharks. I knew damn well he was putting one in behind him. That that was just bound to happen. To make matters even worse, uh, we get about, I don't know, I want to say 12 minutes and change into the period. And William Eklund uh, gets another one off a slap shot on the power play. Uh, and that makes it 2-0 for the Sharks. The Habs are gonna have to fight their way back into this game and uh listen to their credit they they actually did you know first it was Johnny Kovacevic late in the second period um gets an opportunity with a great pass from Jaden Struble and he walks in and he claps a uh, wrist shot rather um puts it in and he brings the Habs back within one and then in the third period They really need somebody to play the hero and tie this thing up. And guess who? It's Cole Caulfield, who has been just snake bitten at 5-on-5 this season. Uh, But he absolutely snipes one on a rush and ties this game up at 2. We go to overtime. Overtime solves nothing. We go to the shootout. And in the shootout, it seems like nobody really wants to score. Uh, William Eklund went first. He scored. Nick Suzuki went next. He scored. And then we had, uh, I want to say, at least four or five people shoot that they couldn't put it in. Because um, we went to at least six rounds, right? So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We had nine different players that went and uh, and couldn't score. And then Yessi Elonen, He's the last shooter of the second round of three or whatever for Montreal. And he just absolutely undresses. And I mean undresses. Mackenzie Blackwood in Net for the Sharks puts it in. Wins the game for his team. Um, look again. I was not happy with how this game played out. I felt like they should have been able to pretty much handle the Sharks. Uh, they've again. We we uh, I've talked about this many times. We've seen the Habs play against much better teams. We've seen them play really good games against much better teams. So it doesn't make any sense to me really that they can go in to uh, against a team that is just that overmatched by pretty much everybody in the NHL and and look pedestrian. Right? They, they didn't look like the better team by by a whole lot, and that's kind of a problem, especially considering that the Sharks are probably going to get an opportunity and maybe get in the first overall pick. Habs, not really going to be in that conversation. They're going to be picking a little bit lower in that first round. You would hope that they would look like the team that are much further along in their rebuild, and uh, I think it's hard to argue that they looked like a, anything close to a finished product in that game. So really would have liked to see better, but there were still some... some you know, bright spots of the game. Uh, I'll give you a couple. Uh, your player of the game, I think that's an easy one. It's Cole Caulfield. Uh, he had an assist on the Kovasevic goal. Uh, Kovasevic, rather, sorry. I keep forgetting that I'm supposed to pronounce it Kovasevic, not Kovasevic. Um, he had an assist on the Kovasevic goal, and he also obviously scored the big goal to tie up the game uh, in the third period. Look, it was a, a great game from him, right? And hopefully something that he can. You know, carry forward into future games and uh, and look stronger and stronger. Particularly at five on five, like I said, he's been snake bin He's just not been able to put the puck in at five on five. It's uh, he's been doing most of his damage on the power play, uh, where and when he can. And it's not been for a lack of trying. It's not been for a lack of shooting volume. It's just been for a complete and utter lack of any kind of shooting luck. And you know, things start to roll for him. I think they're going to come in bunches. And uh, so. Good news that we got to see a game like that from him. Um, Hopefully, again, more uh, of that to come in uh, subsequent games here. Another one I'll give you is uh, Jesse Elanen, okay? First and foremost, he came close to me giving him the player of the game anyways just for how nasty that move was in the shootout. But this one's more like a silver lining and kind of a gripe on my part as well because he barely played in the third period. I think he maybe got one or two shifts and... To me, it's like, well, what, what are we doing here, right? This is a guy who's in his still in his early twenties. He's got a shot at maybe, you know, developing into a more productive, uh, maybe even a middle six player for you. Wh- why are you not using him, right? You you have nothing to lose. I think he's looked good when he's had opportunities to play up in the top six. I'm not saying you have to put him back on the top line or anything like that, right? What I am saying is like, let's give the guy some minutes in the third period. You obviously trusted him enough to let him go out and take a shot in the shootout, albeit very late in that shootout. He was the 12th shooter, I believe, uh, in total between the two teams. But still, you, I I think he's played well enough, at least shown enough, where you could be comfortable saying, all right, we're going to give you some shifts in the third period and see if you can you put that shot to good use and maybe tie this thing up for us. And obviously, you know, Cole Caulfield ended up doing it, so no harm, no foul, but... Um, it's just, it bugs me a little bit that they didn't use him more uh, in that game. It was, um, again, they they didn't look like the better team. It's certainly not by a wide margin anyways that people were hoping they would. But it was, uh, yeah, it was it was a challenging game, and I would have liked to see them use uh, a young forward a little bit more in that game uh, to try and, you know, get the win near the end. Um, there were some other great performances as well. Uri Slavkovsky was... Honestly, playing like a beast in that game, um, he's starting to get more and more physical, uh, starting to get more and more like power forward in terms of how he's playing. Uh, Christian Dvorak played a pretty solid game. Uh, really, you could take that whole line, which they've put together, uh, they've put back together rather, which was something that I was wrong about. I had said, let's not see that again. And uh, it turns out, having Christian Dvorak with um Likovsky and Cole Caulfield, it, it can be an actually quite effective line. So... Uh, I don't think I don't think I love it, but I think it's something that uh I wouldn't hate seeing a little bit more of it uh if they can continue to play like they did uh against the sharks there so um there was good and bad um honestly again didn't really want to record an episode on that yesterday because a I had somewhere to be and b uh, I felt like I would have just been yelling about it I needed some time to collect my thoughts on that one so I'm glad I waited. And that brings us to today's game, which was against the LA Kings. And uh, I think I predicted this before they even left on the road trip. That their two best chances at a win were going to be Anaheim and San Jose. Right? They beat Anaheim, they beat San Jose. And then they get to LA and we got to see what a contender actually looks like. Um, They lost 4-0. I'm not going to run you through the recap. I don't think you need to hear me... You know, just describe four LA Kings goals and none for the Montreal Canadiens. But look, the one thing that I noticed more than anything, LA was just trying the same play over and over again. What they do, it, if you watch the game, I'm sure you noticed it, right? They work the puck up to the point, and then the D passes it over either to the other D or another four that's hanging higher on the top of the circles. That guy comes down from the top of the circles, and he looks to just do one of two things, right? Either he's trying to hit somebody on the back door, or he's just trying to feed it into the slot. And, uh, and see if it can get tipped on net, And the Habs couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop it. It didn't matter if they knew exactly what they were going to do. I mean, there was a couple times where they did the same play two times in a row. With the same guys out on the ice. And nobody diagnosed it. So, you know, again, this is an opportunity for them to look at what a real contender looks like on the ice. And maybe steal a few things. I'm hoping that the coaching staff was taking notes on what it was that the Kings were doing, how they were generating their offense, how their forecheck was able to constantly frustrate the Habs and uh, and keep them pinned in their own zone. Like I've I've talked on a few different episodes already this season about the breakouts, right? That the Habs get a little bit too cute with it, and it was again against the Kings. Man, they were multiple D-to-D passes in their own zone below the goal line and the forwards are all bailed out of the zone. They don't have any puck support from the forwards. So the two D-men are just passing it back and forth between each other until eventually the Kings get in with one of their heavy forwards on the forecheck and they start disrupting it. And then, you know, they've got three guys down there before you see... You get three black sweaters from the Kings before you see a single other sweater from the Montreal Canadiens coming down to help them. So they need to get more forward support in that zone for their breakouts. Uh, it, It needs to happen really really fucking soon because it's starting to become a little bit of a chore to watch these guys try to get out of their own zone man it's rough it's rough and um you know for nothing i think people maybe were expecting it to be even worse than that so i guess for nothing's not the worst possible result um cold comfort when you had to sit through that game because that was uh definitely a rough one to watch they did not have uh, very many chances they really didn't have a lot of shots going in on goal their second period was their best period of the three bar none uh, for sure they you know they they kicked back a little bit in the second period um, fought back rather not kicked back uh, they really kicked back in the third period where they were like yeah we're gonna lose anyway so let's just put our feet up and you know kind of just ride the rest of this one out um, didn't love that game at all very tough one to watch um, I don't think Phoenix Copley is that good of a goalie that you can't get one past them um, you look at oh man, I'm looking at Natural Stat right now. They got the heat map for the shooting on there. I really love their heat map, by the way. If you if you don't use that site, I would suggest that you do NaturalStatTrick.com. Um, the heat map just shows a big old red circle all around the Montreal Canadiens net. The whole low slot was just open for the taking for LA. And again, that had a lot to do with the way that they were um, setting up their offense. Right? They started up to the point move it down towards the top of the circle on the other side and then funnel it into the slot for tips or for shots in the back door and um, man the Kings might be they might be favorites at this point to win the cup they look very good um, it might be too early to really crown anybody as a favorite yet but um, this is this is that that's a team that the Habs probably want to be like when they're done their rebuild and you know there were very few positives to take from that second game. Uh, but my silver lining of the night, or of the afternoon, if you will, against the Kings was uh, Uriah Slavkovsky again. Um, really, again, very similar to what he had done in the Sharks game. Uh, playing super physical, playing like a power forward. Right? Was it a perfect game? No. Not even close. It was a rough game for the entire Montreal Canadiens roster. However, Uriah Slavkovsky was effective. On the forecheck, he was effective in puck battles on the wall, Um there was one moment actually where he did do something that kind of pissed me off. Cole Caulfield hit him in the middle as they were coming into the zone on a break in. And he tried to pass it back to Cole Caulfield um, and and ended up getting tipped away by a defender's stick. And I was like, man, that's a puck that you have to shoot, dude. You have to shoot that puck. I understand why you want to give it back over to Cole Caulfield. He's the best shooter on the team. It's, it's not a terrible idea to try and get him uh, to shoot the puck with, with lateral movement on the pass as well. But, there's still a little bit of hesitation on his part. The good news is I'm starting to see some of that evaporate. Um, I think everybody's starting to see it as well. Uh, he's been putting up points uh, through the last five, six games. So um, it's it's a silver lining. So uh, take from that what you will. It's, uh, I think, good news that we're, we're, we're seeing this consistently from him right now, playing more physical, more engaged. Um, it's about all you can ask for. And uh, again, to go back to what I said at the start there, this is probably the best California road trip they've had in over a decade. They don't win very often in California. It's usually ugly whenever they go there. Now they had three games that were certainly had their ugly moments. Um, the Kings game was just ugly in general. Um, I think the Sharks game was a little bit ugly. The Anaheim game certainly had moments where it was pretty ugly, but um, you know they got two wins out of three games so i think anybody who's followed this team over the last 10 20 30 years you know just as well as i do that if somebody came to you 5 years ago and said hey they're going to go to california and they're going to win two of three uh, they're going to go home with <laughs> they're going to go home with four points out of a possible six you would say get the fuck out of here there's no way right so i think on that note, we have to take it as a small victory, um, as much as it doesn't really help to take away from any of the bad things that we saw. Um, Jake Allen, for instance, in that Kings game, I don't know, he he let in a few goals that I felt like he should have stopped. It, it's hard to blame him for the game because, you know, the Habs were largely outplayed by the Kings. The Kings were just better in almost every facet of the game. Uh, but it doesn't help Jake Allen's trade value if he's letting in stinkers, you know? Uh, it's it's tough, it's tough. But we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks because I think if if the whole Edmonton rumors are true, anyways, if they're actually interested in Jake Allen or anybody else, it's probably something that's been getting worked on for a while. And I don't think that one game is necessarily going to make Edmonton go, oh yeah, we don't want him, right? Um, but I've also heard that they're more interested in Samuel Moulton-Bold than they are in Jake Allen. So I don't know if Malt, uh, you know Allen was ever really part of the equation for for the Edmonton Oilers. And with that being said, I think we we talked about this in the last episode of Habs in Minded, and Jared Book said it best. It's which goalie would you trade? It's the one that gets you the best return. So if that's Samuel Montembeau, then do it, right? Um, Unfortunately, you know, I'd love to see slightly better goaltending out of Jake Allen in that game just to maybe boost his trade value um, and potentially have him be the guy. But at the end of the day, It is whoever gets you the best return is the one that they should move, and I think that's precisely what Kent Hughes will end up doing. So there's two games recapped sort of for you, even though I didn't really want to go point by point through the Kings game for you guys. Um, Look, again, they go to California, they get two out of three wins. I can't sit here and be too upset about that, knowing what I know from having watched this team for the last 15 years. So I'm going to take that as a small win. Um, We did have some good silver linings, uh, some good performances therein. So now uh, they get to gradually make their way back to the Bell Center, which uh, they've got one more game left on the road trip. It's – how many games is that? It's a five-game trip total? Is that what it is? Yeah, they play the Blue Jackets on Wednesday, and uh, that's in Columbus, and then they'll be back at the Bell Center on Thursday against the Panthers. So it's a five-game road trip. Um, You know, I think we can – the Columbus – game we can look at that one in a vacuum right it's this California road trip that's always been a huge thorn in the team's side so we'll take it as a small win and we'll move on to the next one so what are we running a little over 20 minutes so soirée pour uh, les employés de soutien we are on spotify google play apple i'm on twitter at drakemt drop me a follow i would appreciate that very much this episode was brought to you by bet online thank you as always for listening and of course à la prochaine